Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Gabriella Green, and I'm on staff here at Highland Park. I'm really excited to, to be with you all today as we continue through our series on the fruit of the Spirit. It's called Good Fruit. In the first week, we talked about love, and then we talked about joy, and then peace, and then patience, and then last week, we talked about kindness. And before I go on, I know that you all are so impressed with the fact that I just recall the past five weeks in order for those fruit of the spirits. I know my fruit of the spirits. And you might be asking, what is her secret? How does she know? Let me let you in on what's been going on. So you see, when I was younger, my mom bought my younger sister and I a CD. And this CD basically was a tool to help young kids memorize scripture. Um, many of you guys know what I'm talking about, but um, it worked. It, it worked really well. In fact, it worked so well that I know passages of scripture that I don't even remember reading. Um, <laughs> and sometimes they'll just come out of the blue, and I'll be like, wait a second, I know that. And one of those instances happened a couple months ago when Brian said, hey, we're going to do a study on the fruit of the Spirit. And as soon as he said that, my brain immediately decided that I knew the fruit of the Spirit through song. And that song was, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. And... Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Please, please hold the applause. But um, if you see a crazed look in my eyes or a crazed look on my face, it's because it's been months that that song has been on repeat. <laughs> yeah, if any of you guys have kids, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but it's been annoying and frustrating having that playing over and over again. Um, but I have to say that I'm not mad that I have God's word stored in my heart. And today, if you remember that song, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Man, you guys are good. And God is good, isn't he? Can you guys say that with me? God is good. Nice. Now will you turn to your neighbor on your left and say, hey neighbor, God is good. And will you turn to your neighbor on your other side and say, Howdy, neighbor, God is good. And God is good, all right? He is so good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, you are good. Um, and Jesus, we just trust that what you have for us is good. And so we pray that as we learn about goodness today, that, that you would open our hearts and our ears to what you have to say to us. We love you, God. You are so, so good. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. We live in a world of celebrities. There are famous people everywhere. There are famous actors, musicians, artists, bakers, athletes, and everything in between. But over the past year, one specific celebrity has risen to the top, soaring over all other celebrities. Who is this celebrity, you might be asking? Baby Yoda. 
That's right, Baby Yoda, also known as the child by purists, is, as some might say, the most popular celebrity of our current time. I mean, look how cute he is. He's just really cute. And uh, I have a couple memes of him that I've brought with me. Um, and I know that some people think that Baby Yoda memes are overrated and overused, but they brighten my day every time. And so I just want to go through. This one says, me wrapped in a blanket, heading to the couch with a cup of hot chalky to watch a Hallmark movie where I already know the couple will end up together. <laughs> the next one says, uh, trying to stay sleeping when you go to the bathroom at 4 a.m. <laughs> Next one, <laughs> me going into an exam with no study, me when I actually pass. <laughs> and next one, when you're late to Sunday school and find out you missed snacky time. <laughs> yeah, I know that one hits home for a lot of you. Well, um, if you don't know anything about Star Wars or The Mandalorian, don't zone out. I'm going to catch you up real fast. So. Disney Plus released its streaming services last fall, and when it, when it came out, it came with an original series called The Mandalorian. Now, The Mandalorian is a side story set in the Star Wars universe, and when it first came out, y'all, I was not about it. I was over the Star Wars thing. But my husband really was, really was about Star Wars, and he said, hey, let's watch just one episode. Let's just watch episode one. So I said, okay. Um, and the first episode starts with a bounty hunter who is a notorious Mandalorian. Um, that's a Mandalorian right there with the mask and all that. Um, and he got a new target. He received a new target. And this, my friends, is where I fell asleep <laughs> in the episode. Uh, and spoiler alert coming up. So cover your ears if you don't want to hear the end of episode one. But I woke up at the end of it, and I, I asked my husband, so who was the Mandalorian's new target? And he said the two words that would change my life forever. Baby Yoda. <laughs> and from that moment on, you guys, I was invested in the show. But even more than Baby Yoda's uncanny cuteness or the funny memes or any of that, there is something else about this show that really captured my attention, that really brought me in. You see, the Mandalorian motto is, this is the way. Can you guys say that? This is the way. And they always use this motto in reference to what it means to be a Mandalorian. You see, the Mandalorians weren't defined by their species as much as they were by their creed. Abiding by that code of honor was everything to them. It was how the Mandalorians were identified as Mandalorians. You could almost extend that motto from this is the way to this is the way of the Mandalorian. All right, so we'll come back to that. Hold on to that. So open your Bibles to Luke 10.30. Luke 10.30, the Good Samaritan. Some of you might know it. Some of you might not. It might be new for you. Um, but I want you to listen to this passage like it's the very first time. Because if you don't, if you think you know the story, you might miss some beautiful truths that the Spirit has for you today. And it's not going to be up on screen. Just lean in and listen. So in reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. 
a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So let's recap. A man gets robbed, beaten, left for dead. And a priest walks by and sees the man. And we hear, oh, a priest walked by. Surely he'll, he'll help the man. No. In fact, he even goes out of his way to not even pass this man. He goes out of his way to not pass this man. And then a Levite, a religious man, the listeners of this parable have to be thinking, well, thank goodness, a religious man, surely he will do the right thing. Surely he will help this man. But instead, the Levite does the exact same thing that the priest does. He just walks by on the other side. But then a Samaritan, someone who has a tense history with the Jewish people, a Samaritan, the last person who might be seen helping a Jew, he walks by and he sees this broken man and he stops and goes out of his way to take care of him because the honorable thing to do is to take care of that man. And yes, there are some major racial tensions between the Jews and the Samaritans, but we're not focusing on that today. Today we're focusing on the goodness exhibited by the good Samaritan and how goodness is the way of the Christian. So let me ask you a question today. When does Jesus call the Samaritan good? When does Jesus call the Samaritan good? Let me read it again. In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to that place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So when does Jesus call the Samaritan good? He doesn't. He doesn't, does he? But the Samaritan exhibits goodness, right? Okay, we have questions. So goodness, what is it? Well, we're going to start off by clarifying what it's not. Goodness is not kindness. They are two separate things. So often goodness and kindness are clumped together into one thing, but they're two completely different and beautiful things. They're both fruit of the Spirit. See, where kindness is more associated with compassion Goodness 
is almost always associated with uprightness. The Samaritan demonstrated kindness whenever he took pity, had compassion on the man, and helped him. The Samaritan demonstrated goodness when he chose to do the right thing. So this is what goodness is. Feel free to take notes here. Goodness is translated in the Old and New Testament best as virtue, integrity, honor. In the Bible, the word good in all of its forms is used 672 times. Most times it describes the uprightness, the honor, the righteousness of God, and goodness is rarely ascribed to people in the Bible. Yes, there are people who do good in the eyes of the Lord, but the Bible is very clear on the fact that there is no one good but God. Very clear. And I know right now you might be thinking, oh, well, I have a friend and they're a good person, or my friends, they're not Christians, but they're good people, or I think I'm a pretty good guy, and I hear you. But Scripture is very clear that there is no one good but God. Now, in all 672 times, there is only one person in the Bible who is called good other than God. It's not the Samaritan. Yeah, good guess, though. Um, No, uh, now, I, I read about this man who was called good, and I was having a hard time reconciling it with the verse that said, but there's no one good but God. So how can this man be good if there's no one good but God? And let me just say this as a side note, that if you ever encounter something in Scripture um, that you feel like contradicts something else in Scripture, don't hide from that. Do the work. Do the study. Read, and the truth will come out. This is not a blind faith. The Spirit will guide you and lead you to the truth. So don't be afraid of that. But anyway, so back to this man who is called good, okay? So in Acts 11, this man's name is Barnabas. Barnabas was called a good man, but immediately afterwards, I noticed that Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit. You see, that's the key. It wasn't Barnabas on his own who was good, It was the Holy Spirit who lived inside of Barnabas that made Barnabas be considered as good. Goodness is a symptom of being with the Holy Spirit. I went to a conference for church leaders in October, and my number one takeaway was this chart. It would be on the screen only... I was not able to find it or recreate it even, and so I'm just going to have to tell you about it and hope that you're tracking with me. But this chart basically said that the more time we spend with the Holy Spirit, the more we serve. See that the more that we fill up, the more we want to pour out. And we can still, we can still, when we go on autopilot, we can still serve, but burnout is going to happen. And I think that this chart is also applicable with goodness. The more time that we spend filling up on the Holy Spirit, the more we become people of honor, uprightness, and integrity. When we spend less time with the Holy Spirit, we might still do honorable things, but burnout will come. You see, John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches, not the other way around. 
Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from God, we may be able to do good, but that goodness is never going to be sustainable. You need proof of that? Look at all of the churches or the Christian organizations or religious circles that have had moral failures. I don't think that those people ever intended to get there. I just think that when we distance ourselves from the Holy Spirit, we make ourselves vulnerable to sin. And so we got to fill up. we got to rely on the Spirit because if there's not less of us and more of the Holy Spirit, we will crack because we have no foundation. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. Apart from Him, we will not produce the fruit of the Spirit. There is no exception. For Jesus paved the way of the Christian. In fact, Christians in the early church were identified as followers of the way. Remember that Mandalorian motto from earlier on? This is the way of the Mandalorian? Well, what if we switched it around and said, well, this is the way of the Christian? Jesus says in the book of John, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus not only paves the way for us with his example, he is the way. He is the only way. So how do we as Christians live in the way of Christ? Well, it's twofold. First of all, we fill up. Goodness is a symptom of being with the Holy Spirit, so what's the best way to manifest goodness? By spending time with the Holy Spirit. Spend time in prayer. You want to be a man or a woman of honor, invest in the Spirit, because that's the only way that goodness can be sustainable. The way of the Christian chooses to have integrity, to do the right thing, most especially in private. But the way of the Christian is not easy, my friends. No, anything in your private life, in your public life that's not of the Spirit, you need to get rid of it. This is the cost. And I say this out of love, and I say this to myself as well. If there's anything that is not of the Spirit that is in your public or private life, you need to get rid of it because it is poison. It is poison to you, to your relationships, to your witness. Cut it out. Colossians 3 says, So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground. Absorb with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That is where the action is. See things from his perspective. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life. When Christ, your real life, remember, shows up again on this earth, you'll show up too. The real you, the glorious you. Meanwhile, be content with obscurity like Christ. And that means killing off everything connected with that way of death. Sexual promiscuity, impurity, lust, doing whatever you feel like whenever you feel like it, and grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. That is a life shaped by things and feelings instead of by God. 
It is because of this kind of thing that God is about to explode in anger. It wasn't long ago that you were doing all that stuff and not knowing any better, but, but you know better now. So make sure it's all gone for good. Bad temper, irritability, meanness, profanity, dirty talk. Don't lie to one another. You're done with that old life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you've stripped off and put into the fire. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of the new way of life is custom made by the creator with his label on it. All the old fashions are now obsolete. Now I know that there's something on that list for everyone in this room that we need to get rid of. Intentionally get rid of of sin and proactively seek the spirit for this is the way of the Christian. And the truth is, is that we don't know if the Samaritan and the parable knew God. It's a parable. We don't know. We don't know if the goodness he exhibited was the product of spending time with the Holy Spirit or if he just decided to do the honorable thing that day. All we know is that in that moment, he reflected God's character. And if a Samaritan chose honor, shouldn't we who already know God's great love for us and his great grace that covers us, shouldn't we also choose honor as well? So we fill up so that we might pour out For it is only through the Holy Spirit that sustainable goodness is possible. We fill up so we might pour out. This is the way of the Christian. A couple years ago, I read a fascinating biography on St. Patrick of Ireland. And the goodness of God, my goodness, was evident in that man. You see, he was raised in Britain in the 5th century to a somewhat prestigious and religious family. And he was abducted by Irish pirates at the age of 16 and enslaved to the Irish. For six long, painful years, he remained in captivity as a slave. In fact, he had one of the lowest jobs someone could have in that, in that age. He was a sheep herder. And in those six years, he suffered a lot, but he also found God. You see, he came from a religious family, but he didn't take it seriously. He didn't act like it. But then he had to be a slave to recognize God's grace for him and for that grace to spring him into action. He said, After I came to Ireland, I watched over sheep. Day by day, I began to pray more frequently And more and more, my love of God and my faith in him and reverence for him began to increase. So, six years of captivity, and he, by the grace of God, escapes. There were no GPSs or Google Maps. This is truly a miracle, folks. He trudged over 200 miles, somehow found his way onto a ship as He was an an escaped slave, so he was considered a fugitive. And somehow, these people on the ship let him have passage on their ship. And he gets home somehow. And then from when he gets to his homeland, he somehow makes his way back to his family. And can you picture that reunion? That child you thought was gone, the one that you had grieved for, he's on your doorstep. 
He says, Mom, Dad, I'm home. I'm home, and I know God now. That must have been a beautiful, beautiful reunion. But Patrick was a changed man. He, he filled himself up so much with the Spirit. And if he had a motto, it would be less of me and more of you, God. But the thing about filling up is that you have to pour out. When you fill up, you have to pour out. So what did Patrick do? He went back to Ireland. He became a missionary to the people who enslaved him. And that, my friends, is what it looks like to fill yourself up with the Holy Spirit. Because when it's less of us and more of God, well, that's a game changer. Not just for us, but for everyone around us. That is the way of the Christian. Well, remember the definition of goodness? Uprightness, virtue, honor, integrity. If we, as Christians devoted ourselves to filling up on the Spirit, while well, we would be leading the charge against every injustice. When we fill up, we have to pour out somewhere. And that's why I love organizations like Black Box International that we support. They see the horrible injustices committed in, in the sex trafficking industry, and they do something about it in the name of Jesus. They fill up and they pour out. They rescue boys from sex trafficking and provide a safe place for healing and hope because this is the way of the Christian. The way of the Christian is to foster, to adopt, to mentor young kids who've had it tough in this life. We choose to love on our single folks and support our parents. We choose to go out of our way to care for our neighbor we choose to abstain from sin so that more and more people might come to know God's love for them, for this is the way of the Christian. We choose to act as the Samaritan in Jesus' parable, but we fill up first. That is the way of the Christian. And the world, my friends, will look very different if instead of bickering amongst ourselves and allowing our politics and opinions divide us, the church instead decided to lean on the Holy Spirit and pour out on the world. Less of us, more of God. But let me clarify that the way of the Christian is not to do good so that we might be good. No, that is the way of the world. Jesus, he already paid the price for us. Only God is good, and he fills those who love him with his sustainable goodness. The way of the Christian is to look at the cross and respond in worshipful service to the kingdom. That is a life of goodness. That is a life in the way of the Christian. Well, um, I'm going to give you a moment to talk to the Holy Spirit if you need to confess anything in your private or public life, do that. If you want to be more committed to staying rooted in the Holy Spirit, to filling up on the Spirit, write down a plan and, and do that. 
Write down the name of someone who can keep you accountable. But this time that I'm going to give us, this is for you and the Holy Spirit. During these next couple songs, we'll have members of our prayer team up in these front front row areas, and these people are here to pray with you, to talk with you, to listen to you, no judgment. And maybe you need to repent of something today. Maybe you want to start living a life of goodness, but you're just not sure how. My friends... We were not made to live this life alone. And thanks to Jesus, we don't have to. You see, Jesus lived a perfect life and died on the cross for our sins. For us, his grace covers us. He rose again, and now the Holy Spirit lives inside all who place their trust in him. If you want to give your life to Jesus, maybe for the first time, or maybe you want to rededicate your life to him, people would, these people who are going to come up here on our prayer team would love to talk and pray with you. I would love to talk and pray with you over these next couple songs. Goodness is not something accomplished. We're never going to do enough to be good. It's not something earned. No, it's, it's something that's reaped reaped from time with the Holy Spirit. Do people, do they see the Holy Spirit in you? If they saw your private life, would they think that is a man or that is a woman of God, not because you're perfect, but because you lean in the Holy Spirit. You fill up and you pour out. To be good is less of you and more of God, and that is the only way for sustainable goodness to exist. The only way to live a life of goodness is through the Holy Spirit. 
The only way is through the way, and we must live in the way for the way. A life of honor, a life of virtue, a life of goodness together. For this is the way of the Christian. Would you all please stand and pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, you are so good. And we don't have the words to express how grateful we are for your goodness. God, we pray that this week we'd be able to experience, we'd be able to fill up more on your spirit. God, and we pray that we'd also be able to pour out, Lord, that someone would be able to experience your grace through us. And Father, we pray that we can lean into this way that you've paved for us. Father, that we would draw closer to you, to your spirit. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In your name we pray, amen.